Okay, we are reading in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Let's start reading in verse 29. We covered some of this last week. We'll pick it up. Luke 12:29. But do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. And do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek first His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So here he's speaking to his disciples, and he tells them not to worry about food and clothing. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to put on. Then he says in verse 31, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. It is very specific. What are these, these things? What's these things? These things are food and clothing. That is the only thing that he guarantees us as believers. So if you take this verse and you say that, oh, he, he, that these things would be added to me, and you say, uh, that includes a house, that includes a good car, that includes a great spouse, that includes... No, he doesn't guarantee any of that to you. What he guarantees to you if you walk with him is food and clothing. If he gives you other things, that's added, added blessing. But remember, this is to keep you from having that, that spiritual hissy fit if you don't exactly get what you want in life. Alright? What He guarantees us is food and clothing, and He guarantees us blessing, so that whatever state you're in, there are blessings that can come. Verse 33 of Luke chapter 12. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The thing that you treasure is where your heart is going to be. And he says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Now remember what the Gospels are. The Gospels are, we learn from the context of the Gospels. But it's in the epistles that we have direct instruction. Because if you say, okay, well, it says we should sell our possessions and give to charity... It doesn't say sell all your possessions, but if you want to take it that way, that, that, and some people have, sell all your possessions and give to charity. Well, what do you do with other verses? So, for example, let's look in the same, in the same gospel, Luke chapter 22. So later on, remember, Luke is the only of the four gospels that's chronological, because he says that in the beginning of his book, that he, he has reported these things in order in which they occurred. In Luke chapter 22, verse 35. And he said to them, When I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, No, nothing. Luke 22, verse 36. And now he said to them, But now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. So what are you going to do? If the context of, from verse 12 is you sell everything and you give it to charity, what are you going to do with this verse now? This is why in the Gospels we are reading historical accounts and Jesus was teaching things. It's in the epistles that we have direct teaching. So it's in the epistles that he gives instruction. So first in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, to the rich, we've covered this before, but so we remember. This is what he instructs us to do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope 
on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. I want the rich who are in the body of Christ to remain rich, to keep making lots of money and keep giving, not to lose everything in that process. You know, and, and just because we read something again, even in the book of Acts, it doesn't mean that it was instruction for us. The instruction comes in the epistles. If we want to follow every pattern in the book of Acts, look in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and abundant grace was upon them all. Now Acts 4.34 For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. So you see, in the early church, they got in this practice where people who owned land, they would sell it and they'd just give all the money to the church and the church would distribute it and the church would do it. And you say, well, maybe that's how we should live. Well, you know what happened to this church? God had never instructed them to do that. Uh, uh, he, he never, he never uh, instructed them to do that, actually. And, and he was... He was uh, uh, we later on see in the epistles what people who are wealthy are supposed to do. Now, let's see the results of what happened in Jerusalem. If you look in Romans chapter 15, verse 25, Romans 15, verse 25, Paul is speaking. And he says in Romans 15, verse 25, But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For it is the Gentiles have shared in the spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to also in the material things. In fact, the church in Jerusalem became impoverished. Impoverished. And Paul would go and he would take up donations for the church in Jerusalem. So remember, the instruction is that we be generous. I have heard, and especially in my younger days, I've heard young people quote verses from the Gospels. Oh, they gave away everything. Or Jesus said, get rid of all your money. Do, do this. Uh, uh, give it away and give it to charity. Not understanding the context. Not understanding the other verses. It is the epistles upon which we build our theology. It is the epistles upon which we build our instruction. Okay, <clears throat> let's go back to... to uh, Luke chapter 12, and continue reading from that portion. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Be dressed in readiness, and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve, and have them recline at the table, and will come and wait upon them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. 
You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Okay, so in this portion, he tells them to be ready, and he says in verse 35, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Look at the image that he is painting here. Be dressed in readiness. Be ready for his return. And have your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from a wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks, so that they're immediately ready. Now look at what comes as a result of this. Verse 37. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at table and will come up and wait on them. Wow. Think of this picture. There are these slaves, these servants that are waiting for their master. Their master knocks on the door right away. They open the door. Their lamps are lit. They are ready for him. What does it say he does? It says, he tells them to sit down. He girds himself about and he begins to serve them. It's kind of an odd picture. You know, you think the master would walk in and throw off his cap and drop his coat on the ground, put his feet up and, you know, all these people would be bringing stuff to him. Look at what he says for those who are ready for, for his coming. Verse 37, Blessed are those slaves whom the Master will find on alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whoa! I mean, isn't this a little bit backwards? He's king and lord and we're not? He serves us. He blesses us. That's the picture that He gives. You be ready for Me. You know, we, we, we exercise. Or we don't exercise. We make this choice. But imagine if you were an athlete. Say you're on the football team. Say you're on the football team. You're like, I don't need to practice. I'm good. Don't worry. You guys work out. You guys need it. I'll just sit here and I'll, I'll just uh, have a Big Mac and supersized fries and supersized Coke and I'll just sit here. You guys work out and the next day I'll do the same thing. No exercise. It's okay. I'm alright. My body's just fine. Then you go and you run the length of the field one time after a few months of just eating Big Macs every day and you're like, <gasps> you, just, you just can't do it. There is this understanding that we have that we have to eat in a certain way and we have to exercise in order to maintain our bodies. We understand that. But most people, when it comes to spiritual things, have total neglect. Oh, well, you know, one day I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm all right. It's okay. You guys, you guys, you need it. You know, if you think you need that stuff, you go on to church. You think you need it? You go ahead. I'm all right. I'm good. With spiritual things, we are so ready to let that thing down. To say it doesn't really matter to us. There is no effect here. And what he's showing us is there is a huge effect. A huge effect. That if you don't 
watch out on spiritual things, you're going to be taken off guard. If you're not ready for His return, you're going to be taken off guard. There is a time, and that time is daily. You go a day without eating. Go, with a, go a day. Tell me how famished you feel. You go a day without the Lord in your life, and you will be spiritually famished. You will be spiritually wanting. Because He calls us to this really high standard. Look here in... Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, this is the standard that he calls us to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. You and I cannot do this on our own. Cannot. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. This is the standard in the epistles that we are being called to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no way you can do this without God working in your life. You put on a heart of compassion. That is not compassion for the panda bears that look really cute and cuddly. This is compassion for the people that are not attractive to you. This is compassion for the people that bother us. He says, you put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, and patience. He says, those of you who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, this is where your heart should be. Verse 13 Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. This is what He calls us to. If you think that you can go a few years just eating whatever you want as much as you want and never doing any exercise, and you're cool, you'll be alright, You'll be really surprised. You'll be really surprised. And I see it. I see particularly graduate students will start in graduate school. And then four or five years later, by the end of graduate school, they are in terrible shape. Because as undergrads, they were running around and doing all these things. And as graduate students, they're not. You go spiritually without developing your spirit without spending time with God, and you will become really weak. And you start thinking about these qualities and seeing how hard it is to have these qualities built in your life, you'll be really shocked. He says, because, he says that, that you have a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We cannot do it. You cannot run a marathon. You cannot run 26 miles without training. You just can't do it. You're going to faint on the way. You cannot walk in these things without daily working on these things and developing them. Jesus said, you be ready. And what's the outcome of being ready? The outcome of being ready is this. If you are ready, 
Jesus is going to bless you. The picture that he gives is he's going to come in this house and serve you. You're going to be like, Jesus, come on in, sit down. He says, no, you sit down. You let me bless you today. Let me bless you. Let me open up that job opportunity for you. You would do that, Lord? You'd do that? Let me open up this door for you. Let me lead you as you've been praying and seeking my face for the right spouse. Let me lead you to the right spouse. Yes. (laughs) I need that. Jesus says that He will bless us if we do these things. If we do these things. There is a blessing in it. Look in in, uh, Philippians. Philippians 4.9. Philippians 4.9. This is what Paul teaches us if we do these things. Philippians 4.9. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Peace comes through practice. Peace comes through practice. You practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4.9 You practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. You spend time with the Lord and this is a daily time. Oh, it's okay, I can go a day without the Lord. Go a day without eating. Tell me how strong you feel. Tell me how alert you feel. Tell me about the headaches you're having. It's exactly the same spiritually. We are called to spend time with the Lord. We are called to be ready for the Lord. We are called to be clothed in readiness. To keep our lamps ready. We are called to these things. These are are, are the things that He calls us to. He has told us these things. We are to do them. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 1. This is not the Gospel of John. This is 1 John. It's the Epistle. If you find Revelation, book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and work your way back a little bit, work your way back a little bit, you will find, you will find uh, before Revelation, you'll find Jude, and before Jude, you'll find 3 John, 2 John, and then 1 John. So if you go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Now this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. John, this Apostle John, who writes 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, you you read these books. They're very short books. I mean, one of the books, it's only one chapter. And you get to 3 John. Now, you read these books, and you will be called at almost every sentence, there is instruction. See, I don't know... What does God want from me? What should I do? You read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you will have your plate full of what God wants you to do. 
Every verse is jam-packed with instruction of what we should be doing. He says in verse 5 of 1 John 1, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness. God is light, in Him there is no darkness. If you spend time with God, you are in the light. You spend time reading the Scriptures, you'll be in the light. In Him there is no darkness. There is light in Him. Verse 6, If we say, we have fellowship with God, I have fellowship with Him, and yet I walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How much more explicit could the apostle have been? Calls us a liar. Calls us liars. If we say, I'm cool, I walk with him, but yet we really walk in darkness, he says, you're a liar. You don't. You don't walk with him. He says, but if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There are some here who've never invited Jesus in their heart, don't even really know what this means. Let me explain it to you. It is so simple. It is simple because someone else has paid the price and put it right before us. Jesus died for our sins. When we accept His death and say, thank you, Lord, for dying for me, come into my life, He cleanses us of our sins. You don't have to beat yourself on the back with a chain. You don't have to feel miserable for for a few years. He'll come into your life and it will change your life. He will do that. And then and only then will you have power to walk according to the things that I'm speaking about today. Only then will you be able to get from Him power to walk in humility, in gentleness, in compassion, in forgiveness, Against anyone, it says, who has a complaint. Anyone. I mean, you must know some people like this, that all they ever do is complain. I mean, just... I know students like this. I know graduate students like this. I don't even want them in my group. Would you quit dragging your lunchbox behind you every day to work? Just stop it. I don't want all this stuff. You know, if you've got a problem with all this stuff, just go vent it somewhere else. If you don't like it here, go away. We'll gladly release you. I signed my name right here. Boom, you can go. No problem. Just go. You don't like it here. I hate being around people that just always complain. Scripture says, forgive. Forgive. Walk in forgiveness toward those who irritate us most. You can't walk in this without Jesus Christ filling you. I can't walk in this If I go a day, if I go one day without reading my Bible, I really feel it. I get angry much quicker. I get really cynical. Oh, this place stinks. What's wrong with this house? How come it's only a four-course meal? I expect more than that. Everything is bad. That's what happens to me one day without the Scriptures. One day I get like that. I don't know how some people go a month. I don't know. I I would be in in prison. (laughs) The Scriptures call us to walk in the light. 
and the light is in Jesus. It's not in us. There is darkness, inherent darkness within us. The light is in Him. When we walk in the light and be ready for Him, He ultimately comes and He blesses us. Let me give you a picture of the sense that I have. I love God so much. I love Jesus so much. As He painted this picture for us, where He comes in and He says to His slaves, to the servants, you you guys sit down. I'm going to serve you today. I just came back from a wedding feast. I brought some stuff with me. I want you to enjoy it. You sit down. I'm going to serve you. This is what Jesus does for me. I come to Him in the morning. And I come weak and my mind's not right and everything. And I just start spending time with Him. And He starts filling me. I lay my burdens before Him. And He covers me with blessings. And I get up from my quiet time and I'm just like a roaring lion ready to take on the world. Let me tell you the other thing that He does for me. When people come against me, I feel sorry for them. And the reason I feel sorry for them is because I know who my Father is and that He really watches out for me. When somebody is hard on one of my children, boy, does it really get my concern. That's my child. You be hard on me, don't be hard on my child. This is exactly the picture that I get when somebody is hard on me, what Jesus is looking at. But what I'm saying is, God really protects me. This is the sense that I have, that He watches out for my children. We like to bless people in our home. When my children travel, when they go abroad, I say, Lord, remember my child. As I have blessed others, other people's children in my home, bless my children as they travel. Protect them. And I know He will do that. I know He will do that. When you have this depth of relationship, there is something here where He girds Himself about to serve you. If that picture is too condescending for you to grasp hold of, I didn't make up that story. Jesus did. Jesus is the one who gave us that picture of Himself. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give Himself a ransom for many. He picked up a towel and girding Himself about, He began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them. This is what He did. This is the picture that He gave us. You want this depth of relationship? It comes through a daily relationship. One day, without manna, you will be hungry. One day, without the Lord, and you will start seeing darkness fill your life. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank and praise You for Your Word which speaks to our hearts for the picture that You give us. I pray for these young people that they would remember this message and that they would walk in the light, they would be clothed and ready
for your appearing, for your coming. And that you would visit them. And that you would give them a depth of relationship that even few Christians know. And Father, for those here that don't know you, I pray, Lord, that they would invite Jesus into their hearts. And as I pray now, that they would repeat after me and say this prayer and so receive Jesus. Father, forgive me because I am a sinner. And come into my life. Wash me by the blood of Jesus and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for anyone who has prayed that prayer this morning, that you would take that person and so instill your life in them that they would know what it is to have a relationship with the living God. So fill them, I pray. Abba, Father, I commit these young people to you in the name of Jesus.